This is an ABC podcast. When it first popped up on her phone, it wasn't your average, ordinary, everyday kind of text message. I was just sitting around. I can't remember even what I was doing. It was just like an average afternoon. And I got this message and it literally said, I'm at this exhibition and there's this picture of you in it. Wow, how amazing, or something like that. And I was just, like, a bit dumbfounded. I was thinking, how on earth is there a picture of me in an art gallery? And why? And how did they find it? And and, and what is this? What's going on here? And, and that was it. I never found out anything else. That's Jennifer, Jennifer Mills. And you're going to need to remember that name. I'm Elizabeth Kulas. Welcome to Days Like These. Today, with our guest reporter, Melanie Tate, we're going on a kind of scavenger hunt to find out how and why Jennifer Mills came to be on the wall of a big, fancy art gallery. And what else, or maybe I should say, who else was waiting for her on that wall? Hi, my name is Jennifer Mills. Uh, I go by Jenny, but with an I, and I chose that when I was 10 without realising just how often I would be spelling it for people. So, yeah, hi, my name is Jenny, with an I. I grew up playing the violin and cello, and I went on to study cello and worked as a classical musician for about a decade I'm actually pretty attached to my name, even though it's really, it is clearly such a common and maybe even anonymous name. Um, For some reason, there's always been this thing, ever since I was at school, people will always call me Jenny Mills and kind of run it together. Um, And it's just, you know, like I'll see someone in the street and they'll be like, Jenny Mills. And, And so that really does feel like a really fundamental part of my identity and also how other people see my identity, I guess. So that's our Jenny there, our original Jennifer Mills, who I might refer to every now and again as OJM because, you see, there's a lot of Jennies in this story, as you're about to find out, over 300 of them, in fact. It's 2011 when Jenny gets the message that there's a painting of her on a wall at the Queensland Gallery of Modern Art, GOMA. Now, GOMA's a big deal. It's a big gallery in the centre of Brisbane. It's a big thing to have a picture of yourself on a wall there. But I wonder if you remember 2011. Do you remember your phone situation? Well, nowadays, if you saw a painting of a friend of yours on a wall at a big state gallery, you'd just take a picture of it. You'd shoot it through. You'd get on with your life. Not in 2011. In 2011, you hear about it and, well, it becomes a mystery to be solved or a mystery to feel a bit weird about or a mystery to think about every now and again. I just sort of froze. I was quite stricken by, like, how did, how did she find me? How did she find a picture of me? I think I thought about it internally a lot more than I actually discussed it with anyone. And I think it was only 
with my partner and my partner didn't really care that much either actually so that's why I sort of just hung on to it myself sort of put it away for later I suppose almost The exhibition, it's called What's in a Name, and bizarrely, Jenny isn't the only Jennifer Mills in it. Jenny tells her partner about it, who's not that interested. I wonder if it was weird for her, like why why is Jennifer Mills special and not Jennifer Morrish? Where's the Jennifer Morrish exhibition? So maybe that was why she sort of didn't care that much. Yes, so Jenny's partner is another Jenny too. See, there's already a lot of Jennies in this story. Jenny. Jenny. Jenny Mills. So what does Jenny actually need to solve this mystery that only she cares about and find out what the picture is of? Does she need her friend to remember it properly? A time machine to take her back to the time of the exhibition? A passcode to the vaults of the Queensland Gallery of Modern Art? Well, how about the artist? How about the artist who made What's in a Name? Maybe she's the key. Hi, my name's Jennifer Mills and I'm um, Jennifer professionally um, and I'm Jenny to my family and I'm sometimes called Millsy. So (laughs) that's me. (laughs) You got it. Another Jennifer Mills. The artist who made an artwork of our Jennifer Mills, her name is Jennifer Mills. I was at a dinner party with a a group of artist friends and it was probably around about the mid-2000s, about 2004, 2005, and um, one of my friends was talking about the word Google Ganger and um, it had just been sort of coined um, as somebody who sort of searches for their own name on their internet and I had never done this and my friend was sort of gobsmacked by this. And so I sort of promptly went home and and Googled my own name for the first time and had this sea of other Jennifer Millses from around the world looking back at me in those sort of tile icons that you get when you search images. And yeah, I just sort of became really intrigued with, you know, what a name means because in my entire life, I'd only ever known one Jennifer Mills myself, and I had so much of my identity tied up with that that uh, that concept of me being Jennifer Mills, and I still do. I'm Jennifer Mills. I'm 37. Jennifer Mills. I'm 39. Jennifer Mills, and, and I'm from the Margaret. And River to see all these other Jennifers doing other things, and obviously, you know, it just sort of got me interested in um, the idea of, you know, what's what is in a name? What's, you know, how much of our identity is tied to the name and does it mean anything? And so in the mid-2000s, whenever it was, um, people didn't lock their Facebook um, profiles and, and, and accounts, so I sort of I started collecting images. You just heard her say how she got the picture. In the mid-2000s, before all the Jennifer Millses on Facebook knew about a little old thing we're kind of obsessed with now called privacy settings, artist Jennifer Mills was trawling through their Facebook pages. She was finding pictures she liked of Jennifer Millses, she was saving them on her computer and sketching and drawing them. So the project ended up being 325 drawings and I actually collected a lot more images of other Jennifer Millses that I didn't get a chance to finish but um, I had a deadline for the project. But, um, you know, there are some that stick out. Wait, there's 325 Jennifers in this story? Really? 
Actually, there's more, more than 325. I only ever spoke to one in person and I, I emailed another. So um, I didn't contact any of the Jennifer Millses. I just, I sort of, um, I made connections, you know, because of, you know, um, the images that they'd posted. So if they were creative people, I tended to remember those people. Hello, I'm Jennifer Mills. I'm 40. Jenny Mills here, mum of four. Hi, my name is Jennifer Mills. I'm 39 and... Um, And others were quite personal. I remember a a 14-year-old girl in her bathroom with her boyfriend, presumably secretly um, taking selfies in the mirror in slightly you know, revealing ways. And so I was like, you know, thinking, you know, so that one stands out. None of the portraits are me. Um, You know, I didn't include myself in the Jennifer Mills exhibition um, because I see it as one big autobiographical work. So the artist Jennifer Mills ends up deciding on putting images of 325 Jennifer Millses into her exhibition. Our Jennifer Mills, though, Jennifer Mills, the cellist, the original Jennifer Mills, OJM. Jenny Mills. She's still perplexed. She still wonders every couple of years which image of her was used. I looked so hard online to figure out which picture might have been used in this exhibition, um, as well as just trying to find out desperately is it going to come to Melbourne so I can actually see in person like is it a photograph is it a drawing like what even I didn't even know what sort of exhibition it was like what sort of art form and I would just peer I could only find images that were sort of from a little bit of a distance and they just had lots of little squares arranged really um, interestingly across a white wall And I would just peer and peer and peer at it and see if anything might jump out at me. And it just all looked so anonymous. I could never figure it out. The exhibition does go to Melbourne. And our Jennifer Mills, well, she misses it. She goes back to Googling every few years in secret when she remembers that the picture exists somewhere in the great unknown. What about the mystery of which picture it is? Can the artist Jennifer Mills solve it? So I do remember the Jennifer Mills classical musician. She must have said somewhere that she was a classical musician and and obviously I could see her location as Melbourne. I don't remember where I got the image from, whether it was from a general search, but that suggests to me that I must have gone into her Facebook. Sorry, Jennifer. I do remember sort of thinking that she looked arty in Melbourne and as a a person, a Melbourneian who lives in the, you know, circulates in the art world. I thought she looked like my kind of person. And the picture, the picture. Does the artist Jennifer Mills remember which exact picture she took from Facebook and made into a watercolour of our Jennifer Mills? I don't remember the image, you know, picture perfect. And maybe that was something to do with the way she dressed or a haircut or maybe just that... Maybe she went to the VCA and I went to the VCA and so there was that connection. Okay, so we're going to fast forward now to 2020. It's almost a decade since our Jennifer Mills became aware that there was a watercolour painting of her somewhere in the world. Maybe she's never going to find the photo. 
Maybe it's just going to be something she occasionally thinks about as a time when someone else called Jennifer Mills found 325 other Jennifer Millses and our Jenny was part of that. I can't even remember why I decided to look for the picture again. I was lying in bed when I I definitely have a sense I should have been doing something else, but I spent a lot of time lying in bed in 2020 and I was just faffing around on my phone and I, I just, I can't remember why it occurred to me to look for the picture again, but I did. And this time, like the Google image search just felt completely different. There were more images than I remembered and they were from different orientations and so I just started like pouring over them and squinting at them and, and suddenly there it was. When I finally saw that picture, it was such a shock and it was such a physical response that I had, like I kind of went hot all over and a little bit shivery and um, really excited as well because it was like I'd cracked a code finally that had been with me and hanging over me for, you, you know, more than a decade. I'm standing, I think I'm like kind of leaning into one of my hips like in a bit of a pose um, and it's in front of this really kind of you know you would never it's not a famous street it's just a street in Paris I think there's some nice like foliage in the background like it's a it's a shady warm looking day I can really feel it when I look at that photo Um, and there's just so many personal details that I have a story for like I'd bought these pants in advance of the trip that were like super quick drying and they kind of wrapped around Um, and I bought this singlet when we'd gone through gone through Barcelona Uh, and I'm I'm holding a shopping bag I think it's like blue which stood out to me as well because we don't really have blue shopping bags or we didn't then in Melbourne but they were everywhere in Paris and it's got snacks in it, really boring snacks, but I still remember this drinking yogurt that I was obsessed with that I found in France. Um, and there's some cars in the background, and I hate the haircut I had at that time. It was this weird, fluffy, shaggy, short thing, and I only had like a um, like a combination shampoo conditioner because I was trying to save <laughs> space and weight in my bag because I had my cello that I was travelling with as well on flights and stuff it was um and I was really I was really thin as well because I was trying to save money so I was like only eating breakfast and dinner where it was like provided by hotels I was being such a darrow um and then you know stealing bread rolls and just snacking on them during the day So my partner, Jenny, took the photo and I actually have no idea why. Like we have a bunch of selfies together. Um, You know, we just learnt how to kind of get at least like three quarters of each of our faces into a selfie on this really, really old digital camera. And, yeah, it was just this photo she took. We just stepped out of a tiny little convenience store and... I have no idea why she wanted to take a photo, but she did. And because it was so random and anonymous, it really just felt like a moment of just really pure love. Like she just wanted 
a photo that I was in. It wasn't about anything else. It is a really personal photo for me, even though it's such an anonymous picture. It was just me and my partner on this trip, just the two of us that we'd we'd spent the whole year building up to. We were both doing these separate music course things overseas and then we met up together in the south of France and just went on this, just felt like this epic journey together. We were, you know, real adults for the first time. We were catching trains to places we'd never been and we just felt so independent and like we were on this incredible adventure and just doing really mundane things. Like we weren't planning our days. We just wanted to be together walking around. And there's something else you need to know about this picture. Something else about it being taken by Jenny, Jenny's beloved partner. My partner is no longer here. She passed away. And so it was a a shock to finally see the photo, but it also brought on this really profound loneliness. This was this memory, this like real tangible memory from this really hopeful, happy, carefree time with her. And then here I am 13 years later and she was really the only person I'd even told about the exhibition. So there was no one to care that it happened, it felt like. Jenny finally knows where the image is from. She can finally pinpoint what hung on the wall of Goma all those years ago, what thousands of people walked past and looked at from her life. And it's not as satisfying as she thinks it's going to be. It's complicated. It's really complicated. There was a part of me that felt a little bit violated and even more violated once I knew what the violation was because I knew what the picture was. And it's kind of strange that now I've now I've told this story that was just mine and it's almost like I'm contributing to the violation myself in a way. Jennifer Mills, the artist, is super open to a conversation with the other Jennifer Millses. She acknowledges that online life has changed loads in the years since she sifted through the Facebook pages of other Jennifer Millses and made watercolours out of them. Some might not want to be part of the exhibition. I'm in control of the image. I still own the rights to the images, but I've sold the actual physical work. So I think I would... um, do my best. If somebody contacted me and they were, you know, they wanted themselves removed or, you know, I would I would do my best to have them removed. I wouldn't want anybody to feel... I just, I just think that's not, you know, and then that would become part of the story of the project. So I would contact... The work was purchased by GOMA um, in Queensland. I would contact them and, you know, get them to... You know, if they look, they own the work, so they they might not physically give the work back to me that image, um, but they might be able to not include it in any future exhibition. It's changed a lot of things for Jenny. She writes an angry post on her Facebook about it. She tightens her privacy settings. She closes the album the picture is from. 
And what does she want now? Now that she knows? Does she want the actual picture? Does she want to take the memory back? It had never occurred to me in all that time to get in touch with anyone and ask for the picture to be excluded or removed from the exhibition. But, you know, became this, like, community of Jennifer Millses who didn't know each other and only have our name in common. And so I, I never, it never even, yeah, it never occurred to me. And and even since the story went from being, you know, kind of a thrilling mystery to kind of more of a, a wistful, sad thing for me, I haven't once thought, even since since that moment last year when I finally found the picture that I want it I want to reclaim it by having it taken out of the exhibition because it does actually feel like hers now it feels that version of me and that image that version of the image feels like it belongs to Jennifer Mills the artist now as much as it belongs to me Jenny. Jenny. I'm Jennifer Mills. Jennifer Mills. Hello, I'm Jenny Jennifer Mills. Mills. Hi, my name's Jennifer Mills. Jennifer Mills. Jennifer Mills. Mills. Today's story was reported by the wonderful Melanie Tate. Thanks also to the original Jennifer Mills, by which I mean the classical musician Jenny Mills, for allowing us to peel back the layers of that story. And I have to say it, if you're a Jennifer Mills and you were also featured in that exhibition, or you weren't, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think about it all. I'm so curious about what it would be like to have a name twin out there. I don't think I have one. Email us, dayslikethese at abc.net.au. We'd love it also if you would follow us on Days Like These. You can do that on the ABC Listen app or your favourite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and review. It helps new people find the show. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Kulas. Our lead reporter is Pat Abud. Our Season 3 reporting team includes Sam Wicks, Belinda Lopez, Anthony Scully, Melanie Tate, James Viver, John Chia, Meg Bolton, Taylor Gray and Alicia Sometimes. Our researcher is Tamar Kranzwick and our digital team includes Andrew Davies and Michael Delaney. Sound design and engineering on this episode by Isabella Trapiano. The supervising producer for this episode was Rachel Fountain and our brilliant executive producers are Rachel Fountain and Ian Walker. Our theme song is Yeah Nah by the Gooch Palms, courtesy of BMG and Ratbag Records. Extra music by Russell Stapleton. See you next time.
next time on Days Like These, actor Kate McNamara wins a potentially career-making award. There was Kate Blanchett, Nicole Kidman, Jeffrey Rush, Tony Collette, Asha Keedy. It was an amazing time to be a part of it, especially if I was actually going to be successful. And it does change your life, but not in the ways you might expect. When I was at drama school, um, one of our teachers said to us, if you can think of yourself doing anything else that's not acting, then go and do it because this is a long, hard road. It's going to be difficult and it might not end up the way you, you think it's going to end up. So if you can do something else, do yourself a favour and go and do it. That's next time on Days Like These. And in the meantime, why not try another great ABC podcast like this one? Dear visitors, starting in two minutes' time, there will be a free... All right. All right. <clears throat> I am recording this on my phone in a museum. Oh, God, security looking at me. My name is Mark Fennell and I'm from Australia. Also, I'm from India and Singapore and Ireland. Actually, I'm from a lot of places. Places where Britain kind of stole stuff. It's shameless. It's so blatant. And for the last year, I've been on a very strange mission. What happened here 250 years ago? So I realised this is a quagmire. That is an insult. Well, just get over it. People just burst out laughing. Whoa, you know, like, yeah, that was a, that was a good time. time. You see, sitting in museums and galleries like this across the UK are certain objects. Objects that were taken in the days of the British Empire. I've been tracking down exactly how it is they ended up here. And let me tell you... He was in desperate trouble. It is wild. Dramatic and very bloody. You look them in the eyes and there's tears. You are weak. There's no way to stop it. The tiger's roaring, the man screaming. We had police escorts, we had cars in front of us. Thousands of people are murdered. It is really bizarre. The savagery. We were left here to die. There are conquerors and victims. And those stories are going to take you on a smuggling operation to Nigeria. They were stolen, they were looted. You don't think that's enough? You go ahead and you pillage. There was hand-to-hand fighting in the streets. Into a war in India. I mean, if somebody literally dug your father's grave up. Once a king is vanquished and his entire family has to suffer. To China. This is your fate. Things to do when you're an emperor and you're bored and you've already conquered Tibet a couple of times. Because there is a mystery, they actually belong to all of us. You'll get tattoos in New Zealand. You feel different, there's no doubt about it. And all the way back to Australia just surrounded in flames. He would often fire a gun and deal with the consequences. You know, I was just being shot. Shot, shot. To the British people listening, please don't feel personally attacked by this. Thank you for the railways and the legal system and the smallpox and the greatest karaoke song of all time, Wonderwall. We're cool, but there is this whole other side to history. This was one of the great crimes of the 19th century. People are fainting in horror at the sight of it. You could see the the depth of of hatred. You see, these objects may be old, but they tell us about today. I think it was that that evening when I actually opened up that letter and it was just, can you please help us? It appeared to be an injustice. From laws to borders to wars. Here, Your Highness, we're so happy to have gone to war to protect your good name as the world's largest narco baron. I mean, come on. (laughs) And all of it has shaped who we all are today. Knowing where you come from gives you confidence as to what you do. 
and who you are as a person. We're here 250 years later still. The simple truth is that the impact of the British Empire, the, the colonialism, it was messy. It's the marker of a time in history. And that's what I'm going to try and make sense of. How we ended up with our world told through a shield, a mask, a spear, just some stuff that the British stole.